I grew up with a picture of the Puritans that was simply not accurate. For the most part in literature and movies, they are portrayed as people who thought having fun was evil. They were against everything and basically miserable people. A people with a long list of rules and forced everyone to follow them. In reality, we have taken what is the Victorian age of civilization and mirrored that with the Puritans. However, once you start studying the Puritans, you will find a very different picture. As I study the Puritans, I came away with a deep level of respect. This is not to say they were perfect. However, we know that Jesus Christ is perfect, so that's a measuring tool we can't live up to. Over the next few episodes, we will look at the Puritans, and I hope that you, as well, will come away with the same respect that I found. Welcome back to Church History. I'm your host, Laura Lee Stevens. Just a reminder, if you're looking for voiceover work, either for an audiobook or for YouTube channel, check out the link on my website and make sure to say you are a church history fan and I'll get you a great deal. This episode is coming a bit late today, but it is coming on Monday, so that's good. Today I just finished recording two audiobooks and I'm so excited for the authors. Today we're going to do an overview of who the Puritans were, and in the next few weeks, the episodes will look at some Puritans that I think you should know about. In 1850, the book Scarlet Letter was published, and later followed by The Crucible. These were written by a man named Nathaniel Hathorne. He grew up as a Puritan and wrote very dark stories that portrayed the Puritans as heartless and cruel. We are going to talk about Nathaniel once we get to the 1800s, but for now, I'm going to ask you to take any ideas you have about the Puritans from these books and dispel them. While we will in the future look at the Salem witch trials and the life that led Nathaniel to write these books, these stories had nothing to do with the Puritans in the 1600s. To understand the Puritans, we need to go back to our episode called Light a Candle This Day from a few months ago. For a quick review of that episode, here we go. Henry VIII had three children. His son Edward was a child king who loved God and under his rule, the Protestant church grew and there was freedom for the Protestants. Then his sister became queen. She hated the Protestants for personal reasons and quite fair reasons to be honest, but she allowed her bitterness to destroy her soul. She killed so many Protestants that she became known in history as Bloody Mary. During Mary's rule, many people fled England and went to Geneva. There, they studied under Calvin. They also translated the Bible into English. The Bible is called the Geneva Bible. After the death of Mary, her sister Elizabeth came to the throne. Because Elizabeth was a Protestant, people returned to England. But some were not happy with Elizabeth. Elizabeth really wanted everyone to be happy. She wanted the Catholics and the Protestants to be able to attend church together. So she tried to make the Church of England a hybrid of the Catholic and Protestant church. She tried to make the service look and feel like a Catholic church so that the Catholics would feel at home in the church. However, as people began to return from Geneva, they were very unhappy with this. They didn't want a service that looked and felt Catholic. One of the biggest sticking points was the vestments or the clothing the priests were supposed to wear. For the Protestants, they saw the clothing as a symbol of the men who had led the parades of prisoners 
meant to be burned alive. They refused to wear them. The group who stood opposed to this were called Puritans. This term was used as a way to mock the people. They were the deplorables, I guess you could say. The preachers who refused to wear the gowns also believed the church services should have sermons that were in-depth and really taught the congregation the Bible. They also believed that the family was the main source of Bible teaching, so the equipping of the men to train their children was essential. They taught families to have daily Bible time as a family. This was something that was unheard of at this time. Then the preachers started preaching that the monarch can't be the head of the church any more than the Pope could be the head of the church. Elizabeth then said that every pastor must wear the robes. And at that point, all but 14 agreed to wear them. The Puritans then made a plan. They took jobs in Oxford University and became the trainers for the preachers. Their goal was to get more Puritan preachers into the pulpits of the church. They began to write, publishing hundreds of books in a year. They also started hosting special lectures where common people who couldn't attend Oxford could come and hear the lectures. During this time, the Puritan movement took off. They grew from a small handful of people to a dominant group, and they represented all walks of life. The educated, the rich, the powerful, and the farmer, the merchant, the bricklayer. The Puritans were found in every walk of life. They wanted a pure church, and by that, they meant they wanted to get rid of everything that was not in the Bible. Did the Bible say churches should have stained glass windows, elaborate art, or expensive architecture? Then the Puritans didn't want them. They wanted a simple church. And for one thing, the money used to pay for these things usually came from forcing people to give money to the church, something they didn't agree with. The Puritan church services went like this. First, they would read one chapter of the Old Testament and then one chapter of the New Testament. That way, the congregation that didn't know how to read would still read through the Bible each year. Then they would sing songs together, pray together, and then have a two-hour-long sermon that was a very deep dive into the Bible. It was the kind of thing you would hear if you were in an Oxford classroom. The goal of the Puritan church, remember, was to equip the men of the church to lead their family. So they preached as if they were training their congregation to be pastors themselves. The Puritans were making headways, and then, Queen Elizabeth died. She never had any children, so who would come to the throne? There was no one. All three of King Edward's children had ruled, and all had died without having children. The closest relative to Elizabeth was the son of her cousin, Mary, Queen of Scots. We touched on Mary's life in an earlier episode. Mary, Queen of Scots, was an interesting character. She became queen at the age of six when her father died. She was taken away from Scotland and brought to France to be educated to be a good Catholic queen. But by the time she returned age 18, Scotland had become a Protestant country and they didn't want a Catholic queen. She married and got pregnant soon after. She gave birth to a little boy, James. Her husband was very jealous of her handsome secretary and the very close relationship the two had. So in a drunken rage, he killed him. Mary was so angry, she refused to be with him after that. So James was the only son the two had. Mary had a very close friend named Bothwell. Bothwell had her husband killed, and then Queen Mary and Bothwell got married. Now the Scots were very angry about this and had Mary imprisoned. She escaped prison and went to England to live with her cousin Elizabeth. During this time, her son stayed in Scotland. 
Now, a rumor was started that Mary was planning on killing Elizabeth, and because of that, Mary was captured and killed. She was beheaded. So when Elizabeth died with no children, the throne went to her closest relative, the son of Mary, James. James was already at this point the King of Scotland. Now he was also the King of England. He would also become the King of Ireland, and he was the first king to be given the title King of Great Britain. King James, for the most part, got along with the people of England. However, he did clash with one group, the Puritans, and he had a goal to rid England of the Puritans. One of the things he did was try to get rid of the Geneva Bible. This was a very well-read Bible. In fact, William Shakespeare used it in his plays. It was in most of the Puritans' homes, and it was making a big impact in England. One of the things about the Geneva Bible was that it had notes in it, like a study Bible of today. And those notes were teachings from the Puritans. They showed that the monarchy did not have any control over the church, and that the head of the church could not be Rome or the monarchy. So King James decided he would have a Bible printed. It would be called the Authorized Version. We know it today as the KJV or the King James Version, or some still today call it the Authorized Version. He also put an order to stop all the printings of the Geneva Bible. However, the Puritans did not accept the Authorized Version, if only that they didn't want the king to have any part in the church. The Puritans were heavily persecuted at this time, and many fled to Leiden. Last week we talked about Leiden. If you remember, Leiden was a Dutch city, and tolerance was an important part of the culture. They had many people move there looking for religious freedom, and the Puritans were part of that. However, after about 10 years of living there, they started to see a problem. Their children were speaking Dutch and acting Dutch. They were English, and they wanted their children to be English. There was another problem. Last week, we talked about the question, how tolerant is too tolerant? And can we be tolerant of everything? The Puritans were afraid their children were becoming tolerant of things God tells us to flee. But where would they go if they left Leiden? Meanwhile, King James published another book, the Book of Sports, and he declared Sunday a day of sports. His goal was really to make the people of England want very short, quick services. That way they could go and watch or play the sports. This would draw people away from the Puritan churches that were very long and had in-depth teaching. One year after the book was published in 1621, a boat with half the crew sailors looking for an adventure and half of the crew Puritan families looking for a place to raise their family in freedom. The boat was called the Mayflower. We're going to come back and tell the story of the Mayflower at the end of this episode. Four years after the Mayflower left for the New World, King James died. His son Charles I took the throne. He was Catholic and ruthless. Like King James, he was the King of Ireland, Scotland, and England. He refused to allow Parliament to work and basically became a dictator. He also married a Catholic, so the English people were very upset about this. They felt as though he was a threat to the Church of England and their very way of life. For over a decade, he ruled with no parliament. When Charles needed the English army, he brought parliament back, but they made him promise he would not disband them again. But Charles was not done. He marched into parliament with soldiers and tried to have five MPs 
that's members of parliament, arrested. These MPs were Puritans. The men knew he was coming and they fled and escaped. This time of unrest and uncertainty divided the Puritans. There were some Puritans who were royalists and some who were parliamentarians. Although they all believed that the monarch had no authority in the church, some believed the monarch was appointed by God and should be respected and protected as head of the country. Others thought that parliament should be running the country and as elected people that gave the people authority. All of England was really divided. The northern part of England were royalists, and most of them also hated the Puritans. The south of England were parliamentarians, and most of the Puritans lived there. This eventually turned into a civil war between the north and the south, and then Scotland and Ireland got involved as well. That made it so much worse. The Puritans created a new model army, and they were very powerful. King Charles was unable to pay his soldiers, so he told them to ransack homes and take whatever they wanted as payment. The soldiers who hated the Puritans and saw them as traitors would enter the homes of the Puritans and steal whatever they wanted. Charles then tried to go into Parliament. The new Parliament refused to allow Charles to enter. Parliament then officially charged Charles with tyranny. Charles had put a man named Laud in charge of the church, and a member of Parliament named Cromwell kills Laud and then also has King Charles killed for treason. Then Charles' son took the throne, and he wasn't much better than his father. Now, I've summed up a lot of history really quickly. The England Civil War is definitely a pretty complicated and something you might want to look into more, but since it doesn't have a lot to do with church history, we're going to move on. Something else was coming that was going to hurt the Puritan church even more. August 24th, 1662, on a Sunday, that would be called Black Sunday, all Puritan churches were officially closed. Pastors stood on the pulpit across Great Britain and preached a final sermon. You can buy a book that is a collection of the sermons preached on that day, and I'll put a link to that below in case you're interested. When the government closed down the buildings, the church only grew. They started meeting in homes, pubs, forests, anywhere and everywhere. This is where you start to see a different view of the Puritans. There was one group that wanted to keep traditions, follow a set of laws and rules, and force others to worship God exactly like them. And the opposite to this was the Puritans. They didn't care about traditions, they didn't care about man-made laws, and they didn't believe you could force someone to worship God. At this point, there's a bit of a divide in the Puritans. Some wanted to purify the Church of England, and some wanted to leave the Church of England entirely and start something new. These became known as separatists or sometimes we call them pilgrims. So in history, when you hear the term Puritans or pilgrims, you will know the difference. They're very similar, but slightly different. So the Puritan and separatist churches had to find a new way to keep preaching. The preachers were hunted down. They were arrested in their homes while they were preaching. Forests were raided while they looked for churches and pubs caught hosting churches were shut down. One of the preachers imprisoned was John Bunyan, the writer of Pilgrim's Progress, and we're definitely going to talk about him in a later episode. More and more Puritans were forced to leave England or be imprisoned, and most fled to the New World. Lawyers who were fighting for the Puritans in court were also threatened with imprisonment and forced to flee. The Puritans lived in an area called New England. Their way of life became a framework for the country that would be founded and called the United States of America. 
They believed in education and every single child had to go to school and learn to read, write, and do math. They had a culture that valued hard work, honesty, and personal responsibility. The family was the main structure of the community. When their children were old enough for university, they were sent back to Oxford University, but the families didn't like that. So September 8, 1636, they started their own version of Oxford University and called it Harvard University. The founding of Harvest was just one year, almost to the day of Black Sunday when churches were closed down in England. The Puritans also started to form a democracy, the kind that America would use to form its government. The Puritan families read the Bible every day and prayed before each meal. They attended church as a family and didn't allow the state to have any say in the church. They would meditate daily on the Bible and also would write about how nature would remind them of God, heaven, and hell. The Puritans were an important part of both American history and church history. They also had an impact on our Western Christian culture of today. The question that many people ask, was God's hand on the pilgrims coming to America? Was it part of God's plan? The Puritans, who were strong Calvinists, would of course say yes. But I would say yes also. I'm going to end with the story of the Mayflower. As you listen to the story, you should be able to see God's hand. There are far too many things that could not have just simply happened. God had to have his hand in it. Here is that story. The story starts with a man named Thomas Hunt, not a great guy. He was actually a pretty bad guy. He was an explorer and he landed in the area that would become New England. He kidnapped a young Indian boy and took him back to Spain. In Spain, he sold the young boy as a slave. The boy was named Squanto. In Spain, Squanto met a group of monks. They built a relationship with him and felt God telling them that God had a plan for Squanto. So the monks paid to buy Squanto and then free him. He lived with them and he learned to speak Spanish. He also studied the Bible and became a Catholic. Then with the help of the Spanish monks, he moved to England. In England, Squanto learned English. He studied the Bible more here under both Protestant and Catholic. He also knew about the Puritans and their way of life. Squanto had one drive though. He wanted to go home. He wanted to find his family. So finally, he was able to get a job on a ship and travel back to his home. 10 years after he left, he was back. This time he now spoke fluent Spanish and English and had an understanding of Western law. He also knew the difference between Catholic, Protestant, and Puritans. Once he made it home, he found his entire village had been killed in a famine and plague. They were all dead. All alone, he was captured by a tribe, the Narragansett tribe. And now he found himself a slave again, this time a slave from another native tribe. A year later, a ship landed at Plymouth Rock. The ship was not supposed to land at Plymouth Rock. They were headed for Manhattan, where other Dutch ships had landed, but a storm had taken them off course. This ship, the Mayflower, landed in a spot they had not intended to land. When they landed, they came ashore and found a place where fields had already been plowed. Weapons were waiting for them to take, and corn seed was left behind waiting for them to plant. As they walked around in shock, they soon discovered the reason. They also found a gravesite. They realized that a tribe had lived here and died. They all agreed no one would touch the gravesite or touch any arrows or arrowheads in the area of the gravesite. 
As they were walking through the fields in awe of how it was all ready for them to plant, a native man walked out of the bushes. They wondered how they would communicate with him and tell him that they wanted to live in peace. Then the man said, Hello, Englishman. Welcome. In perfect English. The man was Squanto, and he just happened to be traveling through the area to visit another tribe. Squanto then introduced them to the native tribes. He worked with the Puritans to help them set up peace treaties, and the Puritans made sure he was given his freedom and would no longer be a slave of any tribe anymore. Squanto could also talk to the Puritans about their home. They could laugh at the same jokes. They could talk about politics of the homeland. He knew all of what they were talking about, and they accepted Squanto as one of them. The leader of the tribe was named Massasoic, and he asked the Puritans if they would help him in a way with other tribes, and the Puritans did help him. And Massasoic became the most powerful tribal leader in the area. When he got sick, the Puritans gave him English medicine and helped him recover. The Puritans also invited the tribe to attend church with them, and Massasoic became a Christian. He named his sons with Christian names, Alexander and Philip. It was years later when an unfortunate accident and the death of Alexander that Philip blamed the Puritans and the relationship they had eventually broke down. However, there is so much in this story that shows that God had his hand in all of this. Today's episode, I told a basic overview of the Puritans. However, in the next episode, we're going to look into the lives of some of the Puritans that I think we all need to know. But before I leave for today, I want to do a special shout out to two listeners, Eden and Elijah. Eden and Elijah took a very important step yesterday and were baptized. And I am so proud of both of them. And I'm excited that they let me know about this important step of faith that they took. They were baptized outside in the freezing Canadian rain. Very Puritan of them. For the rest of you, I'll see you back here next week. Remember, for more podcasts, blogs, and videos, check out my website, lauraleesiemens.com.